0: You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to the Techie Leadership Show. Today with me I have Scott Miller. He's a 24-year associate of Franklin Covey and serves as the executive vice president of Thought Leadership. Scott hosts multiple podcasts, including Franklin Covey's Own Leadership and Great Life, Great Career. Additionally. He is the author of the multi-week Amazon number one new release, Management Mess to Leadership Success. Oh, great title. 30 Challenges to Become the Leader You Would Follow, and the Wall Street Journal Bestseller, Everyone Deserves a Great Manager. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. The Six Critical Practices for Leading a Team. Scott authors a weekly leadership column for Inc.com and is a frequent contributor on podcasts and webinars. Previously, Scott worked for the Disney Development Company and grew up in Central Florida. He lives in Salt Lake City, Utah, with his wife and three sons. Hi, Scott, and welcome to the show. Andre, nice to meet you. Thank you for
1: inviting me to be a guest today.
0: Same here, and I am excited to find out your stories. They must <laughs> be awesome. Share. And Scott, uh, before we get into the stories, do you want to add anything else about yourself?
1: No, you did, a, you did a lovely job of making me sound productive and important. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm honored to be here today and excited to talk leadership with you. So thank you for the kind
0: introduction. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So without further ado, let's get into the stories. Do you want to start with the success story or do you want to start with the failure story? Your pick,
1: Whichever one you want to go to. You know, given the book is From Mess to Success, what if I start with a failure story and move to success?
0: I love it.
1: Great. and, And of course, because I authored this book called Management Mess to Leadership Success, 30 Challenges to Become the Leader You Would Follow, most of the mess stories are about me. I wrote this book because I wanted the readers and the listeners to understand that as leaders, you learn more from your messes than you do from your successes, right? mistakes
0: exactly. are
1: so much more instructional than your triumphs. So the, sh- the story I would share, the, the uh, mistake issue, was really about my own career. When I was promoted okay. once, I was one of the top salespeople in the Franklin Covey company. And so naturally, like many people, we often promote the top individual producer yes. to be the leader of people, which is usually a big mistake, right? Because the same skills, competencies, and talents that make you a great individual producer rarely translate into the same skills, yes. talents and competencies as a leader. So for that matter, not everyone should be a leader of people. And I don't know that I should have even been a leader of people. But I remember when I was first promoted, Andre, I held a meeting and I write about it in my book where I held the, brought the entire okay. staff together, together for a two day training and wow, they were late. Meetings. What's that?
0: (laughs) A big meeting.
1: A big meeting. And they were late the first day. The meeting was supposed to start, I think, at like 8 o'clock. And people were late into it. And they didn't take it very seriously. And by about 8.30, we started. I was very angry. I felt insulted. My leadership authority had been violated. So that night, I went home. And I bought copies of the newspaper with the classified ads. the the, The job listings. And I brought him down the next morning. And again, everyone was late to the meeting. And I opened the meeting, and I threw the classified ads down in front of everyone. And I basically said, if you want a job from 9 to 5, the department stores are hiring. And I thought it was like my greatest leadership (laughs) moment. I was setting down the standard, (laughs) and I was letting them know. And of course, you know, these people revolted. They got up. Some of them threatened to quit. Some of them were in tears. Some of them were like apoplectic. Should I even work for this jerk? Whoa. And so I learned a lot that leadership isn't about authority. Leadership isn't about charisma or personality. Leadership is about setting vision, building trust, building empathy, holding people accountable, having high courage conversations, coaching, mentoring, guiding, hiring, terminating but it's not about being an authoritarian leader and there are times when you have to make decisions there are times when you have to um, uh, decide yes one way or the other and you'll become very unpopular I, I have no yes. problem facing adversity I have no problem confronting conflict I'm quite good at that but I think I took it too far and the team revolted on me it took some time to bring them back the good news is fast forward About 12 years later, I got married and almost every single person at that table came to my wedding and we laughed, cried, and (laughs) joked about what a jerk I was early on (laughs) in my career. It it turned out okay in the end.
0: Yeah, and and that's important. Um, It's something I try to convey with this podcast that failure is natural. Uh, The idea is to, when you fail, recognize it really fast and shift gears and try to squeeze positives out of it. And And admit your
1: mistakes, right? Admit. I mean, I think one of my biggest challenges as a leader was I would make a decision and then I would double down on it or triple Uh, down on it or quadruple down on it because I didn't want to, I didn't want to look embarrassed or I didn't want to, you know, show that I might be wrong. Effective leaders are willing to change their minds. Effective leaders are willing to say I was wrong. Effective leaders are willing to offer apologies without any excuses. It takes a lot of confidence and a lot of humility to do those three things.
0: And how did you affect this change in yourself? Like going from being really an authoritarian leader to being more of like what true leadership is, helping people and gaining them trust and working with them and Truly motivating them and making a pleasant experience working?
1: <laughs> well, first, you assume I've effectively made that transition, right? I mean, leadership is a journey, right? It's not yes. just an event, it's a process. And I'm growing like every leader. I think, honestly, I was a little bit of a late bloomer when it came late to really boomer. understanding. I was a great manager, right? I was great at meeting my revenue commitments and managing the budget. I was good at hiring, good at firing. I was good at developing revenue and profit for the company. But quite frankly, Andre, most of my 20s and 30s, I was actually a pretty poor leader of people. I was poor at building culture. I was poor at how I treated other people. And I got married at the age of 41. And I think getting Mm -hmm. married was a turning point for me because I better understood how to develop relationships. I was, a, I was a fun leader. I was a smart leader. I was a hardworking leader, but I really had not made that mature transition into realizing how important relationships are to building culture. I think it was Dr. Covey who taught me that you know, people are not an organization's most valuable asset. That's not true. It okay. is the relationships between uh. people in your company. That is your ultimate competitive advantage. So I realized that I needed to get better at developing high-trust relationships, admitting when I was wrong, not trying to be the smartest person in the room, not trying to be the know-it-all, but be comfortable with my contribution as a leader, which was really to recruit and retain talent and clear the path and build a culture where it was, it was fine to take risks and make mistakes and, um, and also succeed. So that came to me hard, and I'm still learning it, quite frankly.
0: Uh, and it's interesting that the shift occurred when you got married. So I think so. It's like, yeah. it's like a pro tip. Like you want to become a leader faster?
1: Well, start I, the family. <laughs> you, know, you know what, though? I think there is some wisdom in that. I don't think you have to get married. But I do think that – now, I was single – Until I was in my 40s, I was very happy. I I loved being single. Yes, Um, It's great. And I chose to get married. And I think being in a committed relationship, whether that be a partner or a marriage or, you know, a love. I think just having the wisdom and the guidance and an increased self-awareness of what it's like to work for you, what it's like to eat dinner with you, what it's like to go on vacation with you what it's like to be with you. I think people who are married or who are in a relationship outside of work generally have better self-awareness than those who are not. And, hmm. and if you are single, it doesn't mean you need to have a date or have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It does mean that you need to deliberately fill your life with friendships, coaches, and mentors that can tell you the truth Yes. about your personality, about your style, about what it's like to be around you.
0: Yeah. You want friends and relationship with people that are not going to tell you like you're the most awesome person all the time. We're also going right. to right. tell you like... Cool. Look,
1: well, I, like, I, I like that, but you shouldn't have that. That's good for me, not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding.
0: Okay. And Scott, since we had the leadership failure story... Let's move yes. on to the other side of the book, so to yes. say.
1: Success what's story.
0: The, yes. What's the leadership success story you would like to share?
1: Well, Andre, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it won't be about me. Because <laughs> oh. although I've had some successes, I think my setbacks are probably um, more than my, my, my wins. But I'll tell you, there's a person in our company, and his name is Paul. And he used okay. to work for me. He was a more junior employee. I write about him in the book. And this gentleman in 15 years, honestly, maybe closer to 20 years, has gone from being the most junior person in the company to now he is the president and CEO of the company. He has now moved past me. I used to be his leader. And he has now moved past me. And I report to him. him. And the reason I think he's been so successful is because he exhibits a lot of these competencies we're talking about. He's a good listener. He's very patient. He's not impulsive. He's grown to be decisive. He doesn't always need to be right. He stays within, as Dr. Covey would say, his circle of influence, as opposed to being drawn out into his circle of concern. He doesn't gossip. He can hold confidences. He understands our value proposition well. He has a broad skill set. He can speak. He can write. He can analyze. He can plan. He can sell. He he, he can coach. And he hires people around him that are very competent and very smart and isn't jealous or intimidated by them because work is not the center of his life. He has a very balanced life. His wife... His religion and spirituality, his family, his health, his career, his children. He vacations. He's a very balanced life. And so I think I would use him as a very successful leader. And as much as sometimes it pains me, I have a lot <laughs> to learn from Paul.
0: Well, it's good that you're in touch with him, and Paul sounds like an amazing leader. And yeah, it's annoying.
1: He- <laughs> it's annoying how amazing <laughs> <It's>, he is.
0: <laughs> yeah. but- Probably he invested like a lot in himself you don't have the skills like you are born like here You're a leader. You no, have all those all. skills in everything right.
1: Right. When I met Paul 20 years ago, he actually was a very fairly shy Quiet person not especially insightful not, not very insightful not not decisive Was not a strong leader and he has grown to be very bold diplomatic very courteous very polite but he's very decisive on what he wants to happen, and I've seen a great maturity develop in him over the years. I'm proud to know him.
0: And, and since you've been working with Paul for such a long time, could you could you say, like, what, what was, like, the turning point for him, if you witnessed it yourself, that propelled him to this kind of success?
1: You know, I think a lot of things. I think he might say that I was one of the turning points because uh, he was – uh, he was one of the, my team members. He reported to me, and I she spent a lot newspapers of. Also? He was not. That was a previous team, right? So, <laughs> yeah. but there were there were issues he had with me, and he closed the door and he uh, talked straight to me on many occasions as his boss. I think Paul would say one of the transitions in his career was when I moved out of the general manager position, and he took over my job. He had the hmm. benefit of having watched me for six years, having learned from all my mistakes and and my successes. And I think he was very much on the inside of my leadership style and he understood my struggles and also my wins. And he he could say, you know what, Scott did that, I'm not gonna do it that way. Or Scott did this way and I understand why, I think I'll do the same thing. So I think he had the benefit of shadowing under me very closely and he learned a lot of things of what to do and quite frankly what not to do
0: so practically you were his mentor in a way
1: i think there's truth to that i think he would say that yeah
0: yeah and and this is like really encouraging uh, for people that want to find a mentor Uh, it shows like the possibility uh, and i have to say scott that you can outgrow your mentor and become better than him (laughs) but i (laughs) I I think whatever you're learning
1: So well said, Andre. I think the sign of an effective mentor is when you outgrow them. And I mean, I've outgrown my mentor and the person who I was a mentor to has outgrown me. Like that's the dream of every mentor is to have the person you're coaching um, succeed beyond you in income, in influence, in success, in position. You've done your job if they've succeeded beyond you. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes, you know, you have to, you know, suck it up and, 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 you know, (laughs) remind yourself that's what success looks like, but it's a great journey and it's a pleasure to be on both sides of that mentor mentee relationship.
0: Exactly. And if you're a true mentor or you find a true mentor, he wants you to succeed more than he has succeeded because he, the, the whole purpose is for you to provide for you a jump start. Well said. And Scott, based on all your experience, all, everything you know until now, what is your leadership philosophy?
1: Yeah, I think leadership, like I said earlier, Andre, is not for everyone. Not everyone should be a leader of people. Just like not everyone should be a commercial airline pilot or a anesthesiologist, right? Certain people should not be leaders of people. And that's fine. But if you are going to be a leader of people, you have to recognize that I think there are two emerging competencies. Okay. And one of those is humility. Humility does not mean that you're weak or you're shy or you're humble necessarily. Well, I say humble. I mean, humble doesn't mean that, you're, that you don't speak up, right? Humility yes. comes out of confidence. Confident leaders can be humble, Arrogant leaders are incapable of being humble. So, one competency is recognizing the need to be humble. Humble might be that your idea isn't the best idea. Humble might be that someone else in the room can have a solution that's just as good as yours and that theirs is fine. That their story is just as funny as yours is and yours doesn't need to top theirs, right? It's being able to (laughs) sometimes. Take a step back and let other people be the genius in the room. The other competency I think is vulnerability. We hear a lot about the power of vulnerability. I think as a leader, you need to be able to proactively share your mistakes, your fears, your concerns. Now, people want to be led by confident, strong leaders. But one of the best ways for me to build trust with you, Andre, is to share some of my mistakes. Share the things that yes. I did wrong and and, and, and and be confident that the reason I'm sharing them is so that you can learn from them and I can accelerate your success. Now, some people will use your humility and vulnerability against you. They'll weaponize it, it against you. It happens all the time. But that's a small downside risk for the trust that you'll build with other people by being relatable by being real, by having people be able to confide in you that you're not perfect, you weren't always the boss, you were on a journey just like them and you're still on a journey. I think my leadership philosophy is that if you're going to choose to be a leader of people, you need to find the right balance of vulnerability and humility, both of which are born out of confidence.
0: Yes, and, and I like how they built on each other, being, having humility. And uh, being vulnerable, they go hand in hand. They do. And actually, I think there are signs of confidence because the confident person doesn't need to prove stuff. He knows he can do stuff. And yes. he, it, it, you don't boast all the time. Like, uh, usually find the people that boast, like it's like the movie meme. <laughs> they usually lack that skill that they're boasting yes. about. Yes.
1: yeah. I think, a, I think there's a fine line between being self-promotional and still being... Confident and proud of what you've done, right? It's something I struggle with is I want to make sure that my successes are recognized But not so much that all I am doing is talking about my successes and not not promoting lifting up other people's successes. It's a it's a a calibrated balance, I think
0: And one one point I would like to challenge you a little on Scott is the idea that not everybody has to be a leader I think that everybody has in their lives moments of leadership. And even if you're, you're not the leader of a team, uh, in some situations when your skill and expertise are the most important f- and for, to take the project forward, you have to step up and be a leader for a short period of time.
1: I completely agree with you, which is why I said not everyone should be a leader of people. I think Uh absolutely everyone has leadership capability, lead a project, lead an initiative, lead the purchase of your own car. So I absolutely agree with you that people, all people have leadership in them. That is different than should you be Uh a leader of people? Should you be the team leader? I don't believe everyone should be a leader of people. And maybe we disagree philosophically, (laughs) but I think there is a nuance there that's an important difference.
0: Oh no, after explaining it, we're on yeah. the same page. <laughs>
1: well, I, and that's why I'm careful, but maybe I need to be more careful, because there is a difference between being a leader and being a leader of
0: people. Okay. And um, can you go a little more deep, like what's the difference that you're seeing between? Sure.: things?
1: Sure. I, it's a perfect example. I think one of the top two or three competencies of a great leader is to give people courageous feedback on their blind spots, to have high courage conversations, to move outside of your comfort zone and talk straight and confront issues. It might be about somebody's punctuality or their collaboration or their technical competence or about their personal hygiene or any number of items. And not everyone can do that. And not everyone can do that in a way that balances high courage with diplomacy. It takes a balance of that. That's why there's a lot of leaders that neglect those issues. And when you neglect giving your team members feedback, they don't grow. When you neglect talking straight to your team members about their blind spots, they continue to do them, and they often destroy culture, and it makes your top performers resent the leader because you're not willing to confront the hard issues, and you just you know, deny them. So that's why I say not everyone should be a leader of people because not everyone can do that and do that effectively. Some people, it would take so much pain and so much practice and so much energy to do it. It's not worth learning that skill. Could I become a chemical engineer? Probably if I put (laughs) enough energy into it, but it would crush me as a human being, right? My brother is a chemical engineer, super easy for them but he's probably not as likely to have a high courage conversation with someone, which I'm not sure my brother should be a leader of people. So that, I think there's, 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 there's competencies like that where everyone can learn them, but the amount of effort and energy and pain it might take to learn them probably isn't the right fit for you, is my opinion.
0: Yeah. And, and I like how you face high courage conversations. I'm gonna yes. steal that.
1: It's one of the 30 challenges in the book. <sighs>
0: Oh, great. And it's important having the conversations, as you mentioned, because if not, people are going to feel let down and nothing changes. Um, everything is just like um, on, on the surface. It, you never go deep as a leader. And it, yeah. it really impacts the, the quality of the team and their joyfulness. <laughs> Andre, say.
1: I don't think the point can be over-communicated arguably the biggest gift a leader of people can give their team members is feedback on their blind spots because we all have them, right? I'm not as funny as I think I am. I'm not as nice as I think I am. I'm not as smart as I think I am. I'm not as good a writer as I think I am. Right. And so I have people around me that hopefully I've created a culture where I've made it safe for them to tell me their truth about What it's like to be in a meeting with me, what it's like to work on a project, what it's like to be at a trade show with me or a dinner party with me. And that's what great people leaders do is they give feedback to members of their team, but they also create the culture where it's safe for their team members to to give feedback to them as well.
0: Yes. Uh, Look, if you don't accept feedback and you don't give it, you're not helping your people grow. That's how I see it. You're not doing and your you're job you're not growing as a yourself. That's right. Yes, and you're not growing yourself. So nobody benefits. It's you're that's pretending true. to lead, and they're pretending to follow, <laughs> and everybody's there for the paycheck. That's the, yes. that's the conclusion. You just described a lot of corrupt cultures. Yep. Exactly. And um, Scott, for aspiring leaders, what would be your top three leadership tips you would have for them?
1: Well, we just we just described some of them, right? I think this this idea of having courageous conversations where you deliver high courage feedback to people, but in a way that doesn't embarrass them, that doesn't humiliate them, that doesn't rob them of their self-esteem or their self-confidence or their self-worth. It takes practice. It takes role-playing. It takes understanding your intent. If your intent is to help the person then typically that will come out. Which is my second leadership suggestion, if you will, is great leaders declare their intent because everybody's got an agenda. Every leader has an agenda. Love it. But when you declare what your agenda is, then other people don't try to guess at it because absent facts, people make stuff up. So great leaders do this. Andre... Thank you for coming in my office today. I'd like to have a high courage conversation with you that's private between just you and I. And I want you to know, Andre, that my intent in this conversation is to help you build a phenomenal career here at Franklin Covey. And Andre, there are a few behaviors that you are exhibiting in most of our team meetings that I need to make sure you are aware of. Because Andre, although I want you to have a great career here, if you don't get on top of and change these behaviors, it may well result in you being terminated from our company. Now, why that is so important is I have declared my intent. Now, you also heard me say, my intent is. I use the phrase, I want to declare my intent. So I think the second big competency is making sure that you are very clear by communicating what your intent is. One of our founders said something very wise. He said, nearly all, if not all conflict in life comes from mismatched or unfulfilled expectations. So if you look Mm. at all the conflict in your life with your boss, your team member, your investors, your clients, your spouse, your mother-in-law, most of it comes from you have not declared your intent your expectations, and you also have not listened to their expectations as well. And when you can get aligned on your expectations and the other person's expectations, you can minimize or eliminate almost all conflict. But it comes back to moving outside of your comfort zone, discussing the indiscussables, right? (laughs) Having high courage conversations. The last tip I would share, the third one, is the power of listening which is counterintuitive to most leaders because most leaders have been trained to speak, persuade, sell, influence, clarify, mission, vision, values, systems, structures, strategies, talk, 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 talk. You do not build a high-trust culture without empathy. Empathy comes from listening. Empathy comes from closing your mouth, not interrupting, not solving, Not asking questions just listening not with the intent to respond but with the intent Uh, to understand
0: yeah that's deep and i must say scott when we're doing like the mock introduction of the of a meeting i was i was getting so excited i was like sign me up (laughs) i'm coming to (laughs) (laughs) to work for you
1: (laughs) that's great (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, it's just, it, I realized it works so good having like stating exactly what's the purpose and say, look, I want I want you to succeed. This is the vision I have for you. Yeah. Uh, what, what would you want also to do because it goes with listening. Is it something you want for yourself or do we need to tweak it to make it better, the, the yeah. vision I have for you? Yeah. And then say like, if you want to achieve that, this is what you have to do and this is our some stuff you have to work on and have that high courage conversation with that person. And they're going to be thankful. I was like excited in the mock presentation. I was, yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm glad to hear that. You know, but it takes some practice, right? Because, you know, a lot of leaders will come out of the gate really strong and they'll say what's on their mind, but, you know, it could damage the person's feelings, right? Or it can make them be defensive. The opposite is true. You can be so soft and so shy and kind of, quote, beat around the bush, and you're not clear, the person leaves the meeting, and they're scratching their head thinking, I'm not even sure what it is we talked about, right? Which is why there (laughs) needs to be a balance of high courage and high consideration. If If your intent is good, and it's to genuinely help the other person, declare that. And Andre, I could also say, hey, Andre, I need to have a high courage conversation with you. And I have to tell you, I'm a bit nervous about it. And I might say the wrong things, so you might need to give me a do-over if I use the wrong words. My intent is to help you. So, Andre, here's the topic that I want you to be aware of, and I want to have a conversation with you because I might not have all the facts, but I have enough facts that I think it's an issue that we need to work on together to make you successful. You know, it's all in the delivery.
0: And that's so powerful. And I, I was getting like goosebumps when we were seeing so it because yeah. that that's why I started this this uh, podcast is because I found out I was hungry for leadership advice and all the people that I, I knew were hungry for it and it's there's a lot of misinformation around. <laughs> and just that's so me, like
1: just,
0: yeah, and just having like in a mock it was like so powerful. Mm-hmm. I just imagine like in in an office setting or in a company setting having these kinds of conversation, it will really have like huge impact.
1: Andre, can I share one more tip on that? Yeah. I think in order for leaders to get these conversations right, listen, they don't come naturally. You know, my first 50 of these were awkward and I did it wrong and the person was offended and they went to human resources, right? You have to role play them. Every leader should have a confidant. Someone who's wiser, more experienced, more mature, more sophisticated. And go in and role play it because, you know, your body language, your voice, your rate, your tone, your pitch, where you sit in the room, understanding the power differential between you and the other person, all these things are important, right? Because you look at me right now, you can see me on camera. You know, I'm often told that I look angry. I'm just passionate. But sometimes people will say, but Scott, you look
0: angry.
1: But some people will say, but Scott, you look angry. I'm like, I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. I'm a very loud person. And sometimes my passion can come across as being a bully, especially for people Mm. whose personalities aren't as strong as mine are. So I think all leaders, if you're moving into a high-stakes conversation, you're moving into what might be called a crucial conversation. Role play it with someone so that they can give you feedback. That doesn't mean you have to share the other person's name or air their yes. dirty laundry, right? Just role play the conversation so that you do go into it having maximum impact, which is to help that other person become a better team contributor so everyone can achieve the organization's goals.
0: Well, that's an amazing pro tip, like leadership pro tip, role playing. Thank you. And yeah, I'm going to use it. I, I'm Great. starting using it Great. right away. Mission accomplished. And, uh, and Scott, I love your background. You have so many books <laughs> behind Thank you.
1: Me. Thank you. This actually is a podcast studio where I tape the world's largest um, leadership podcast now. So I'm just sitting here today in front <laughs> of about, about 300 of my favorite um, leadership books.
0: Awesome. And... I'm really curious. What's the book that had the most profound impact on you? It can be on leadership or anything else. It just, it has to yeah. have like a big impact yeah. on, on yourself.
1: Yeah. I'll share with you. It's a book called Multipliers. And Multipliers. the author is a woman named Liz, L-I-Z. Her last name is Wiseman, W-I-S-E-M-A-N, Liz Wiseman. And the book is called Multipliers. That is right up here on the top of the screen. It's in yellow up there. You can see it, your guest can't. But in essence, Liz wrote a leadership book that I think is a masterpiece. And the the big idea is that all of us as leaders are accidentally diminishing the people around us and that our job as leaders is to understand when are we diminishing people and how do we move to multiplying people? And the big premise beyond that is that as a leader – Your job is not to be the genius, but rather the genius maker of others. And how do you make sure that all of your leadership talent is lifting other people up and allowing their genius to to come out and to check your own ego and not always need to be the genius in the room, the genius in the meeting, the genius on the project, right? Because a lot of us are taught to believe that as the leader, our job is to be the smartest person in the room the best Impossible. ideas, the hardest working, have all the creativity. No, that's not your job. Your job is to demonstrate confidence, vulnerability, and humility so that you can go out and recruit and retain the best possible talent. In fact, people who are smarter than you, who are more competent than you, who have more genius in you, and be comfortable – having people work for you who are more competent than you are. And your job is to keep them inside the organization by building a great culture and then lift them up and pollinate them into other divisions throughout the organization. And at some point, if the best decision is for them to go somewhere else, you support them in that.
0: That's such a powerful idea, being a genius maker. Yeah, it, it it truly is what I feel that the role of a leader is It's yeah, right. to empower people and help them grow. And you're a facilitator. That's what you are as a leader. You're, you're well not said. doing the, the stuff. Well you facilitate other people to achieve the company goals. Well,
1: well said. I did not fully understand that until I read Liz Wiseman's book. And I struggle with it, right? Because even as a leader, I'm still a producer. Even as a leader, I still want to build my influence and my income and be secure in my job. So there's always a tension, a balance between being the genius and being the genius maker. Because in some cultures, if you're not seen as being the genius, then they might cut your job and say, why do we even need you? Everybody else is smart enough, right? So I don't mean to be naive because some cultures don't support this concept. But if your company doesn't support this, then go to an organization that does. That does, yeah, exactly.
0: And if you build so many geniuses around you, your network is so valuable, you're never gonna so be out of it. Yeah. So yeah.
1: smart of you, Andre. This is why you have a podcast, because you're a genius and a <laughs> genius maker.
0: Thank you so much, Scott. And Scott, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go?
1: Yeah, the internet. It's kind of hard not to find me these days. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Love to have you follow me on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You also can visit uh, franklincovey.com and you can subscribe to my podcast. It's called On Leadership with Scott Miller.
0: And I'm going to put links to all these resources in the show notes. Thank you. And I hope people go and I highly recommend people go and especially get Scott's books. They're really good.
1: Andre, thank you. When I come to Romania, I've not been to Romania. I've been all over Europe many times, but when I come, I'm going to ask you for a tour.
0: For sure. I was going to offer you the tour. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Nice being a guest
0: today. And it's been a pleasure having you, Scott. Bye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe, and share, please. Oh. You can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.